Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And welcome to the Explaining History podcast. And I want to talk mainly today about IG Farben, the uh, chemical and industrial cartel that was created in the interwar years and its relationship to Nazism and its involvement uh, and punishment um, for the Holocaust, involvement in the Holocaust and punishment. Uh, for the Holocaust. Um, and so one of the reasons why I want to talk about this is because there are, there are many very interesting things that are revealed by the trial of IG Farben executives in 1947. It's the last trial of the uh, Nuremberg um, uh, era, the Nuremberg trials, um, and it's the one where the question of um, the Jews really um, uh, comes up as a significant issue. Prior to this, the main focus of the trials was prosecuting senior Nazis like Hermann Goering uh, for the crime of um, unprovoked uh, and planned war. And um, being uh, being able to um, suggest that the IG Farben executives were complicit in a planned war it was very difficult. Their defence was quite straightforward, that they were a chemical industry, uh, much like Britain's ICI or um, America's Standard Oil, and they had participated no more and no less in the defence of Germany and Germany's military goals than anybody else had. However, it was the work of American military investigators that um, presented IG Farben as having benefited from slave labour, mainly Jewish. Um, And the um, IG Farben plant, um, Auschwitz-Monowitz, which um, if you ever take the drive to um, Auschwitz, you can see the uh, twin chimneys of Monowitz still uh, working. It's still an active chemical plant site. Um, on your, your left-hand side on the road from Krakow to Ospienchim. Um At this site were the uh, Bunewerks, the um, synthetic rubber works um, that the Nazis um, were <coughs> uh, very enthusiastic about because uh, Buna was going to be uh, a way of um, dealing with the shortages that the German army faced, particularly in uh, rubber, which is obviously essential for tyres and tracks and, and aircraft. Um, Buna could be uh, created from um, the coal of the Silesia region and the large quantities of water. Um, that um, were um, available. One of the reasons for situating the Auschwitz complex where it is 
are these environmental factors, the fact that there are these raw materials there. Monowitz itself is a couple of kilometres from Auschwitz I, the main concentration camp, and uh, Auschwitz-Birkenau, the death camp. And the um, region was dotted with a whole uh, series of um, uh, dozens of sub-camps and uh, smaller labour units. Um, There was a, a prison camp on site, at Monowitz, and so um, the the evidence that the IG Farbin had exploited slave labour, firstly to build Monowitz and then to staff it, uh, was was pretty damning. Um, the uh, most famous um, Holocaust uh, memorialist and um, uh, writer Primo Levi uh, was um, imprisoned in Monowitz. He writes that Monowitz actually saved his life because he was by trade a chemist, and the SS uh, discovered this when he arrived at um, Auschwitz, he um, eventually was able to spend the winter inside Monowitz, where it was uh, relatively warm, um, whilst uh, other inmates froze to death outside in the cold. Now, the the book that's uh, been most instructive on this subject is Dermot Jeffrey's Hell's Cartel, which is um, a, a brilliantly and forensically researched uh, piece of writing on the industrialist's trial and on I.G. Farben itself. Towards the end of the 19th century, um, as Britain's competitive advantage in, um, in the Industrial Revolution had started to ebb away, Germany and America snap at uh, the, the, the heels of the British and the way in which the Germans do it is through their chemicals industry. They're chemists in terms of dyes, fertilisers, um, paints, explosives um, and every other major um, part of uh, synthetic chemicals that we, we use today um, were streaks ahead um, of, the, of their British counterparts. Um, the, um, uh, the, the sciences, uh, particularly uh, the scientists and the science students that uh, Germany was able to produce in the late 19th century uh, were far superior to that anywhere else in Europe. Um, at the First World War um, was... Um, a, the point at which the chemical industry in Germany and the uh, the government um, became uh, deeply linked and interconnected, as was the case in uh, every other country in, in Europe. Um, the need not so much for poison gas, though gas is something that Germany's chemical industry certainly provided, but for um, uh, explos- high explosives uh, for artillery shells uh, was made the chemicals industry in- indispensable. And Germany's chemical industry, after the signing of the Treaty of Versailles, was an immense target, not just for the French, but for the uh, Americans. French engineers um, me- marched into the Reich, essentially, um, and took apart chemical plants with um, carte blanche to do so under the agreements signed at the Treaty of Versailles and the various uh, punishing clauses that Germany was forced to uh, adhere to. But it was the United States that was far more savvy. And the United States demanded patents. 
they demanded patents for their industries of uh, German goods, uh, German inventions, uh, German discoveries. So patents for things like aspirin um, and patents for fertilisers uh, were shipped across the Atlantic. Um, and this was uh, part of essentially America's reward for uh, being for participating in the war. Um, there's a, a body of evidence, really, if you can read Adam Tooze's The Deluge uh, on Woodrow Wilson. And it rather um, dispels the myth of him being um, a crusader for liberal causes in as much as he was a crusader for um, American um, uh, commercial and mercantile causes. The merger of eight smaller, uh, yet extremely powerful and successful uh, chemical companies in 1925 into IG Farben, including Bayer, Herxt, BASF and AGFA, um, was uh, creating a, um, a kind of pool of 100,000 workers, um, was really a kind of a response to the uh, economic crisis that Germany's plunged into after the war and also the uh, loss of world markets that um, uh, the, com- the chemical industry in Germany had endured as a result of the, um, the Treaty of Versailles um, and the, the, the loss of the war. IG Farben had all sorts of um, connections to um, chemical businesses around the world, including um, Standard Oil, and American industry was able to, uh, and when hostilities begin during the Second World War, was able to snap up um, IG Farben subsidiaries in the USA for a song. The conglomerate had a complicated uh, relationship with Hitler, mainly based on pragmatism. They had supported all sorts of different causes uh, of the right and the centre-right during um, the Weimar era, and mainly they'd done so in what they viewed as the interests of good business. Uh, They didn't want... um, uh, the uh, the SPD or heaven forbid the communists to come to power because this would lead to um, expropriations of property and uh, workers' rights uh, being uh, sacrosanct and the um, decision to uh, fund the Nazis um, and to to give donations along with uh, companies like Krupp. Um, was based in in part um, due to a, a, a meeting that industrialists were called to in 1932, uh, where Hitler essentially said, unless we have the resources to seize power, um, to electorally seize power, and to have myself appointed as Reich Chancellor, there'll be a civil war in this country, which, as you can imagine, gentlemen, will be very bad for, for business. And following that, the, 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 checks book, the checkbooks come out. Um, the advent of anti-Semitic um, policies uh, by the regime um, is something that uh, IG Farben could, could uh, undoubtedly uh, have not been naive about the, the prospect of. Um, and yet when they arrive, it's a significant problem. Um, the IG Farben have a large number of Jewish scientists and engineers and technicians and specialists. 
um, and Carl Bosch, um, the uh, chairman of IG Farben, um, approached Hitler directly on this subject. They were discussing many things that the, the Reich Chancellor and then Hitler um, exploded into rage, uh, ranting at Karl Bosch uh, when, when Bosch has the temerity to ask about um, uh, re- uh, whether he would be permitted to reinstate Jewish scientists that um, Germany will exist for a hundred years or more without chemistry or physics, if necessary. Um, If you read Timothy Snyder's Black Earth, these comments make a lot more sense. Um, Hitler is uh, somebody who places, obviously, racial ideology above all things, above uh, above politics, above science, above economics, above anything. And um, racial purity and racial struggle to him just simply are more important than the needs of science. If Germany has to be without science for a century, then so be it. Um, the uh, obviously the kind of the uh, the sheer ludicrousness of this position. Um, you, you don't really need to kind of go into too much. It's a rather rather efficient a barrel um, scenario. And later on, of course. Hitler is hugely reliant on what IG Farben can create for him, um, but by which time it has been completely purged of Jews. And Jewish scientists who managed to um, survive selection in the camps uh, often would find themselves working at Monowitz, just as Primo Levi did, um, and their skills being exploited as they were um, slowly, uh, slowly starved. Um, their lifespans would be slightly longer than that of the normal prisoner, but not enormously so. As the war progresses, uh, managers at uh, IG Farben's um, uh, Buna site uh, at Monowitz become progressively more and more hungry for Jewish labour. Um, the working relationship between the SS and between uh, IG Farben managers becomes very, very cosy um, and complicit um, and to some extent seamless. Uh, slave labour was not free as far as IG Farben was concerned. IG Farben had to pay a premium per uh, prisoner sent to them uh, via the SS. And so the, um, the SS. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Found all sorts of ways of uh, making money from the situation, of which uh, a certain amount was stolen and embezzled and wind themselves in the pockets of individual SS men uh, while the, the rest made its way back to the Reich. As with any slave trade, it was highly lucrative. Now, obviously, the um, uh, conglomerate IG Farben isn't the SS. Um, and it, it might have been realistic to expect... Um, at least from a pragmatic point of view, uh, an interest in feeding and clothing prisoners. Um, workers with a sufficient amount of calories are more able to work and to do things without dropping them, making mistakes, etc., etc. But there's no evidence or from IG Farben of any interest in um, prisoner welfare uh, whatsoever. Um, the suspicion and the potential wrath of the SS um, is one explanation for this, but also um, that can't be the the only possible uh, reason for this disinterest. Um, the prisoners in the eyes of the staff were uh, utterly dehumanised. Um, they had become quite accustomed to viewing them as non-sentient units of, or, you know, of the manufacturing process of, of you know, manufacturing inputs uh, and little more. Um, and the, um, the the deaths of um, of workers or their return to later on to Auschwitz-Birkenau for gassing when it was uh, they were no longer of any use was um, a routine part of um, the uh, the working uh, the working week in addition to this the uh, staff at um, Auschwitz Monowitz um, and by on the site on the factory site there is also a a, um, a, a prison camp would have been um, quite happy to witness all manner of uh, SS sadism and no doubt indulge in some of it themselves. It was the uh, meeting of the conglomerate and uh, Heinrich Himmler who became uh, a real enthusiast of the um, economic purposes to which prisoners could be put, um, which uh, really is is quite a a pivotal moment in in the, the, the story of IG Farben. IG Farben's, uh, uh, one of their subsidiaries, Degesh, um, was the company that developed the Zyklon B pellet. Zyklon B had been used as a pesticide. Um, it was used as a de-louser of um, Mexican agricultural workers in the United States, for example, um, and when used in particularly low quantities, it could delouse clothes and even delouse individuals without necessarily killing them. 
um, the uh, uses are the the potential that uh, could be gained from in the eyes of Himmler from um, the in industrial killing of uh, large numbers of people from something like Zyklon B um, was in keeping with um, the way in which Himmler viewed um, the problem of Jewry in Europe anyway. It, to him, the language that the Nazis used was that of a, of a pestilence, of a disease, of something that needed to be treated, to be disinfected. Uh, the fact that the SS employed large numbers of doctors and the, the SS were um, very keen on um, what they viewed as being um, medicine, not just to be applied to the individual, but to, to be applied to what, to the racial body. Um, showed that they were uh, the Nazis viewed their role, particularly the SS and Himmler viewed their role as the the surgeons that were treating a sick racial body and um, removing a a disease, a, a bacillus or some kind of infestation from it. And the um, IG Farben provided exactly the um, the medicine, if you will. That Hitler, um, Himmler, I beg your pardon, believed needed to be applied. The um, Buna Works were one of the um, few significant um, Allied targets uh, in the Auschwitz complex during the war. 1943 onwards, the existence of the Holocaust is well known, and um, Churchill and Roosevelt make various speeches in um, uh, ver- Parliament and the Houses of Congress. Um, saying that Nazi war criminals will be brought to justice, and um, but that's a kind of about uh, about as as far as it goes in terms of doing something about the Holocaust. Both Churchill and Roosevelt, um, this is an argument brought forward by Tony Judd in a, a couple of his books. Uh, the, both Churchill and Roosevelt were um, mindful that anti-Semites in Britain and America would seize on the opportunity um, to decry um, a war being fought in the interests of the Jews if the camps were bombed, particularly if uh, Allied planes were were shot down and Allied airmen died in uh, trying to um, uh, blow up railway lines and that kind of thing to Auschwitz. And so um, for that reason and for the reason laid down by various Allied uh, air chief uh, marshals, there were who who looked upon it as a strategic diversion. Um, the the camps were largely avoided. Um, I always wonder whether the, the whether the the view of bomber command and of the um, U.S. Eighth Air Force of it being strategic diversion are entirely um, entirely valid. Um, there were a number of uh, shall we say pet projects. Um, that were pioneered by both sides, which were real sideshows, um, which um, could arguably have been um, uh, abandoned in favour of doing something about the railway lines to the camps. Which always, and this alone makes me wonder whether the the, the Judd thesis on um, the um, impact on uh, latent anti-Semitism in Britain and America. Um, might have been uh, something that influenced Churchill and Roosevelt. Anyway, suffice to say, Monowitz um, is a target for um, Allied bombing. On the 20th of August, um, heavy um, uh, heavy bombing raids um, attack were um, 
launched uh, against Malowitz, and um, as you can imagine, it was the uh, the, the German um, Malowitz workers who scrambled into the air raid shelters, leaving the uh, Jewish prisoners um, to uh, bear the brunt uh, of the uh, of the bombs. Primo Levi writes. When the earth began to tremble, we dragged ourselves, stunned and limping, through the corrosive fumes of the smoke bombs to the vast waste areas, sordid and sterile, closed within the boundary of the Buna. There we lay inert, piled up on top of each other like dead men, but still aware of the momentary pleasure of our bodies resting. British prisoners of war, who were stationed nearby, some of whom were also used as slave labour, um, were, were killed. 40 uh, British servicemen were killed uh, in the American bombing. But it was the August raid that really put an end to uh, Monovitz being able to produce synthetic fuel or rubber. And by January 1945, of course, on January the 27th, 1945, the Red Army marched in to Auschwitz, liberating the camps and showing the world what the Germans had done in Silesia. Now, when it comes to the um, war crimes um, trials after the uh, after the war, uh, the Nuremberg trials, the American uh, military prosecutors seem to have been more dogged than virtually anybody else in pursuing uh, the the uh, the guilty. Um, for them, the uh, British who seemed almost slightly half-hearted. In some ways, um, Britain looked at the prospect of um, governing and denazifying its zones of occupation with, uh, with real, real horror. It's extremely expensive, and uh, money was one thing that Britain lacked. And so there was um, some degree of uh, a, a lack of uh, political will. But that doesn't seem to be the case with the United States. The British were very keen to uh, make sure that denazification was a, a more selective process because they needed German administrators of every hue very quickly to be working in their zones of occupation. Now, as mentioned at the start of the podcast, the uh, IG trial, the industrialists trial, came last. Um, and the um, it ran from uh, 19... 47 into 1948. Um, the industrialists are very skilled at defending themselves. Um, the um, defendant, one of the, one of the defendants, Carl Crouch, said, replace IG by ICI for England or DuPont for America or Mentocatini for Italy and once the similarity will become clear to you, uh, meaning that um, all we are are simply just businessmen and industrialists and we just did as we were told and we supplied our country with what it needed and really that's no better or worse than anything anybody else did. And the American prosecutors are stumped by this for a while until they begin to look into the question of slave labour. Because the trial did not begin with the question of slavery, um, the the cases against them was somewhat weakened. However, the introduction of the charge of um, slavery um, and um, profiteering from slave labour um, is the one that sticks, really. For example, when uh, one of the witnesses, the Norwegian Jewish prisoner Kai Feinberg, 
um, gave his testimony. He said, We unloaded boxcars, iron poles and bags containing cement, as well as heavy ovens. On the 5th of January, 1943, my father was already so weakened that when we had to drag a 50-kilogram bag at doubled pace, he collapsed before my very eyes. He was carried to the camp by his comrades. He'd been beaten constantly by the guards, and most severely on the last day. He died in my presence on the 7th of January, 1943. One of my father's brothers injured his right arm during work, and he was gassed. His other brother became so weak that he died while at work, about one or two weeks after my father in Buna. I myself was able to stand the work until the 15th of January, 1943. Then I contracted pneumonia. And so um, that kind of testimony um, really was the, the thing that damned the IG Farben executives. Though the prison sentences they received um, were between four and eight years. So nobody served more than a decade in prison. And most were um, uh, rehabilitated and disappeared into the ranks of uh, West German um, economic and uh, financial um, elite uh, status um, shortly after they were they were released. Um, so there was really, as so often the case with um, these things, very little justice um, for anybody. But the significance of the industrialist's trial is that this is one of the first um, moments that the question of the war and the question of the Holocaust become intertwined. Obviously, we now know that these things are fundamentally and inextricably connected, but in the post-war climate, this connection is, was rarely made when um, the British showed footage of uh, the liberation of Belson. The word Jews is never used. Prisoners. They were referred to as prisoners. And so um, the idea that um, the Nazis um, had uh, not only committed an, an act of a war of um, planned aggression and of pre-premeditated conquest, but they had also perpetrated at the same time a genocide begins, the seed of this really begins in public consciousness in uh, 1947 and 1948, with the industrialist trap, so that's why that's why it's important. Anyway, thanks for listening, and apologies everyone for the kind of fortnight break. I've been away for a little while, and I'll be adding the forthcoming book review on women's history uh, in the next couple of days. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.